0: KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Michael Krasny. Oakland could start clearing homeless camps in so-called high sensitivity areas near homes, businesses, schools, and parks. That's if the city council approves an encampment management policy up for a vote today. City officials say the plan is more compassionate than the status quo, but advocates for the unsheltered say it pushes the homeless further to the margins and does nothing to solve the city's housing crisis. At nine, we take up the issues. Then our election coverage continues with a look at Measure C in Mountain View, which seeks to ban RVs on some of the city's residential streets. That's all next after this news. Welcome to this morning's forum. I'm Michael Krasny. The Oakland City Council is set to vote today on a plan to clear homeless camps in high-sensitive areas near schools, businesses, residences, and parks. The policy would also set health and safety standards for encampments. City officials say the policy appropriately balances the needs and rights of the unsheltered with those of their neighbors, but advocates for the unhoused say the rules offer no path to permanent housing and would simply push the homeless out of sight into areas with No schools, grocery stores, or other essential services. We'll discuss the proposal and its potential impact if it is approved. Let me tell you who's going to be joining us. Lauren Taylor is with us, member of the Oakland City Council, and I'm going to begin with him. Lauren Taylor, welcome.
1: Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, glad to have you. Uh, Let's begin by just giving a fact for listeners uh, to understand just how serious the homeless crisis has become in Oakland. Uh, We now have actually... Oakland, uh, and I'm sure these figures pretty much uh, conform with figures that you have, having the worst homeless crisis ever. An increase of nearly 50 percent from 2019 over 2017 and a per capita homeless rate has passed San Francisco and Berkeley. So and probably actually at this point, that's an undercount because of the recession. I want to frame it in this way, because what we're doing is moving a lot of people with this policy that's being voted on tonight. And uh, what exactly does that entail? Spell it out for us.
1: Absolutely. So first, I just want to acknowledge that it is extremely frustrating to see this city that I've grown up in uh, really struggle with this challenge, which everyone uh, across the city agrees is the biggest uh, challenge that we face as a city. The policy that we are discussing today is not proposed as a solution to homelessness. Instead, it's a long overdue component of our overall homelessness strategy. Um, In December, the City Council approved what we call our PATH plan, permanent access to housing, whereby we acknowledge the need to address this challenge from multiple angles, prevention, emergency response, transitional housing, and long-term supportive housing. Here, we're focused on the emergency response, supporting those who live in and around encampments and making sure that they have uh, the health safety standards and needs that, uh, that exist. And so we're talking about a policy that establishes high sensitivity and lower sensitivity zones, which uh, we're essentially asking three questions. The first is, are there places that should be free of encampments within the city? Uh, The answer to that was overwhelmingly yes, by a majority of those who we've engaged over the past nine months uh, through surveys, town halls, forums, other engagement. Uh, The second question is, should there be basic standards within encampments uh, for health safety reasons in those areas that are deprioritized for enforcement. And then the third question is, if there is non-compliance relative to these standards that we agree on, uh, then how should that non-compliance be uh, managed and addressed in a way that's humane, compassionate, and supportive of our, our residents, while also making sure that we maintain the standards that are necessary to uh, improve the health and safety of all residents.
0: Well, let me ask you about that third question, because uh, the mayor said no one will be arrested, just told essentially to follow the rules. So that doesn't sound like it has a lot of teeth in it. But there's also the argument that this criminalizes homelessness because you're pushing them out to areas without access to transportation or grocery stores or resources, aren't you?
1: So uh, I guess just to directly answer that, we are not criminalizing homelessness. Uh, We are not criminalizing folks for being poor. Uh, The... Bottom line is that we're trying to uh, establish in the, uh, a way to transition our residents out of homelessness and how we can support them in doing so. Uh, I represent District Six in Oakland, and when you talk about the lack of, you know, being located without having access to uh, grocery stores and those uh, transportation and amenities uh, in my part of the city, Deep East Oakland. We struggle. Like I have sixty-four thousand residents who I represent, and we don't have a single retail bank. We don't have a chain grocery store uh, that exists in our district. So there is a, a lack of uh, resources that exist. So when we look at the equity um, um, challenges, we have to look at sort of equity across the city as we're we're addressing that. Um, to your point around the, uh, the how we uh, when the standards are not being met, how we support folks in meeting those standards uh number one is we have to leave we lead with compassion we have to build the relationships the engagement with our unhoused residents in a way that we can also bring the services and support that they need in order to make that transition from the uh the the situation that they're in to transitional housing that then prepares them for long-term sustained housing and how much of
0: that councilman taylor if i could uh, includes case managements and social worker type people involved?
1: Absolutely. So we have uh, case management teams that are out in the streets daily engaging with our in-house residents today. And I anticipate that that will be ramped up. Uh, We actually are working on plans to ramp that up and uh, even doubling the capacity of our uh, outreach workers who are out there to do the case management, engaging, supporting our residents as they uh, are supported in making that transition.
0: Lauren Taylor with us, member of the Oakland city council. Let's bring in Nita B who's founder of the village in Oakland, who sees things from a different perspective. Nita B welcome to the program. Good to have you.
3: Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me
0: on. Yeah. Glad to have you. And let me get to the core of this here. A lot of this uh, came about because of concern of business owners, uh, but there's also the issue of public safety that's been brought into the picture, drug activity and violence in these tent encampments and, uh, I'm wondering if you could respond initially to that, because that's been a big public concern.
3: Well, I think that's always been a public concern. You know, violence um, and safety is always a concern in urban situations um, here in Oakland, too. You know, we've had a long um, history and a bad rap of being an unsafe place to be. And the reality is, is that we're dealing with people who are in poverty. And... um, This is is where a lot of violence and crime comes from, you know, um, is because people are dealing with poverty. And we already have things in place that deal with, um, you know, issues of crime. Um, But we don't see a lot happening with that. If you, you know, one of the things that people are talking about is like, oh, there's lots of trafficking and prostitution that happened in the encampments. If you and I walk to East 12th right now, I'm sorry, East 15th, East 14th MacArthur, we can find children being prostituted and children being trafficked right now. Like we can find 12, 20 kids right now that's happening in broad daylight at 10 a.m. in the morning on a Tuesday. And so there's this unfair targeting that's happening to homeless encampments because it's, it's easy to target homeless folks. Um, the, the level of trafficking that you see on East 14th, on East 15th, up and down um, from one side of East Oakland to the other is not dealt with on a daily basis. Yet, homeless people are being targeted as these, as these like, my, um, macro criminals, um, which is unfair. It's an unfair blanketing. Um, people talking about violence and, and drug use, whatnot. There is more violence and drug use happening inside people's, uh, behind people's closed doors. Again, um, there's an unfair targeting of unhoused people in the way that this um, policy is being franked. And you're also um,
0: concerned, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, about the disproportionate effect this would have uh, uh, on people who would, and I alluded to this earlier, these, if these encampments are moved, they'd be moved behind the airport and uh, around the port. So there are really no bus lines uh, from your perspective, no schools, no grocery stores or libraries. And this is a great, we, we have many children involved here who would not have access to schools.
3: That's right. You know, um, again, this the, the some part of the, issues around this policy is that um, who came up with the idea. The survey that was referred to by uh, Councilperson Taylor was um, homeless people didn't really respond to it. It was primarily um, responded to by homeowners. And so there was a disparity in even the collection of data. Um, If we're talking about being compassionate, you know, I myself, am not just an advocate. I myself am homeless. I'm not a hard person for folks in the city to find. I was never um, asked about this. You know what I'm saying? I found out about the, um, the survey late in the game and that's only because I stay active inside, uh, you know, paying attention to civics. It is happening here in City Hall. Majority of people, people who are homeless are not. Um, Nita,
0: let me take so that point and go to Councilman Taylor and get him to respond to it. Mm-hmm. Lauren Taylor, uh, the yeah. argument here seems to be that the data collection was disproportionately uh, in favor of white homeowners.
1: Yeah, unfortunately that is not accurate. Um, we actually had 14% of our respondents were homeless residents and so we know that the percentage of homeless residents in oakland is uh much smaller less than one percent whereas we had 14 percent representation with this survey the other thing that's important to note is that uh when we asked our residents in this through this survey uh you know are there where will you be opposed to encampments being located or placed are unhoused residents overwhelmingly uh were more in favor of restricting encampment locations. So the homeless folks, uh, when you look at say, whether or not an encampment should be uh, in the street, we've got 89% of the unhoused residents versus 87% on average. When we asked about near schools, 84% unhoused said they should not be near schools versus only 80% of the general populace. So overwhelmingly, and I, I I guess I do want to acknowledge that uh, we have been engaging folks over the past nine months through not just the survey but town halls other forums with our outreach workers out in the field for those engaging uh, our unhoused residents to get their input as well, so I, I just. HUMBLY uh, DISAGREE AND WANT TO ACKNOWLEDGE THE FACTS OF HOW OUR OUTREACH DID ACTUALLY WORK AND THAT WE DID GET A DISPROPORTIONATE REPRESENTATION POSITIVELY FROM OUR UNHOUSED COMMUNITY.
0: WELL, WE'RE GOING TO HEAR MORE FROM to B. AND LAUREN TAYLOR, AGAIN, IS A MEMBER OF THE OAKLAND CITY COUNCIL. to B. IS THE FOUNDER OF THE VILLAGE IN OAKLAND, AN ADVOCACY GROUP FOR THE UNHOUSED. and WE DO WANT TO HEAR FROM YOU. HOW SHOULD OAKLAND HANDLE ITS HOMELESS ENCAMPMENTS AND WHAT DO YOU THINK OF THE PROPOSED POLICY? We invite you to join us and you can do that now by calling in our toll-free number is 866-733-6786 again join us by phone, at 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email. Any questions or comments you might have to forum at kqed.org. And we posted a link to the meeting agenda on Forum's website, which explains how to watch and participate in today's City Council meeting. It starts at 1.30 p.m. You can tune in via Zoom, online stream, phone or TV, and details are in the agenda. And again, we'll continue talking about a proposed homeless encampment management plan for the city of Oakland, which the city council is set to vote on today. This is Forum on KQED Public Radio. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking about a proposed homeless encampment management plan for the city of Oakland, which the city council is set to vote on later today. Lauren Taylor with us, a member of the Oakland city council and Nita B. founder of the village in Oakland, an advocacy group for the unhoused. And we do want to hear from you. How should Oakland handle its homeless encampments? And what do you think of the proposed policy? And give us a call now. And I invite you to do that. Toll-free number is 866-733-6786. Again, Join us toll-free at 866-733-6786 or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. And I want to go back to you, Nita B, and I know you've been involved in a lot of battles uh, as a homeless person, as someone who uh, actually was involved uh, specifically with asking for public lands for a number of years to be set aside by the city and uh, uh, that whole um, decision to have $60 million earmarked, which uh, you were involved in. But uh, now that population has doubled and you really get to the question here, if people are moved out in these encampments, if the encampments are dismantled, where are they going to go, especially since the numbers are just increasing?
3: Yeah, and if we take into consideration that we're all bracing ourselves for a a major wave of evictions post-COVID for folks who um, can't pay for their back rent, we're talking about how many hundreds of thousands of folks who are going to be joining us in the streets. You know, what is being presented in this policy doesn't really even fit the scope of who's currently in the streets, which, like you said earlier, is an undercount. Um, the pointing counts that people are following for Alameda, as someone who's actually in the streets every day working in encampments across Oakland, there's closer to 10,000 people. Um, you know, it's not just the encampments that are out there. There are, there are people, you know, um, that you don't even realize is, is, is people are living homeless. Um, so there's about 10,000 people, I'd say, that are in the streets, and there's going to be more. And, um, you know, I think, The reality is, as a homeless person, I'm gonna just say the reality is that you know there is with all the steps that the city has taken, all the intervention the city has taken, no, there has not been um, proper engagement with unhoused folks. And what's happening is that you can't equally, um, you know, take the complaints of housed folks and weigh them against the basic needs and human rights of unhoused folks. Those are two um, populations that can't. Be weighed against each other evenly. One set of population, the house folks, have their basic needs met. Um, the other, you know, population, unhoused folks, don't have basic needs met. We're talking about a population that's literally on the brink of survival, and so um, it's unfair to say that um, it's a, that it's a fair process to listen to both sides equally when one side is barely surviving, and so um, and that side, the homeless population. We really do not get, um, listened to. There is not a lot of input on, on, um, from what we need, what kind of support we need. And this, pro- this policy and the survey itself, um, the survey was questioned in a way about how to restrict homeless people. There was nothing in that survey that asked the question, what do unhoused people need to get out of homelessness? What do unhoused people need, um, to, to survive? Well, let's talk about that
0: for a moment, can we? They need, I mean, you need long-term housing, you need affordable housing, you need uh, prevention, uh, and the focus has to be on those things, doesn't it?
3: It does, and there's not a single, you know, in, in, in the multiple interventions the city has been, um, you know, offering and creating, uh, you know, since, you know, for the past four to five years, there hasn't been any um, pathway to permanent housing. Um, everything we've seen, the millions of dollars that have been used in the city of Oakland to intervene upon um, homelessness has been used to temporar- temporarily um, shuffle people from place to place, whether it's from one street to the other street, whether it's from one street to a truck shed back to the street, whether it's from one street to an RV site back to the street. There is nothing in the plans, any of the plans, that actually lead to a solid pathway to permanent housing. Um, and when we're talking about permanent housing, we're talking about deeply affordable housing we're talking about supportive housing because the longer you are in the streets, the longer, um, the more, you know, time you need to readjust to get back into regular society. Um, and that's just a fact there's a, there's a, you need a period of healing because there's so much trauma that happens. in the streets. Let me
0: um, go to the uh, councilman on this, uh, Lauren Taylor, permanent housing. I mean, what's the city doing? How's the city planning? And, uh, I'd like you to just address that for a moment. If you could, I want to bring our callers aboard here, but, uh, It's obviously a great concern, and I know there are lawsuits against the treatment of the homeless uh, uh, going against uh, essentially eviction moratoriums and those kinds of things, but what's the city
1: planning? Absolutely. So first, I'd like to just acknowledge the fact that uh, as a black man, third-generation Oaklander here, I can't escape the impacts of this homelessness crisis. I have family who have struggled through homelessness and some that are still struggling through it. And as an example, when my cousin came to me less than a year ago uh, after losing her housing, asking if she could purchase an RV where she might be able to locate that RV to uh, be safe in a safe, clean environment without being victimized by criminals or being uh, asked to move by city officials. I had to tell her that the the rules that exist are haphazardly enforced. The fact that we don't have a clear policy within the city that tells people where they can and cannot be is a challenge. The UN rapport came and did a uh, report on the state of homelessness in Oakland. And one of the things they emphasize is that the inconsistency of the policy being applied, lack of clarity on where we can and cannot be uh, adds to the trauma that our unhoused residents face. And so this policy addresses that specifically and creates the clarity, consistency, predictability for our house and our unhoused residents. All right. I uh, want to
0: read some emails that are coming in. Uh, This is Becca who tweets, uh, let me read the tweet first. This proposal is cruel and inhumane. Libby Schaaf needs to focus on transitioning folks into permanent housing. Rebecca Kaplan and her fellow council members need to do the right thing. And this is Brian who says, I agree that the visibility of homeless encampments and associated dumping has increased, but it's not the biggest problem. Corporate developers, industrial pollution, violent crimes, racism, poverty, food, uh, deserts, police interaction, and unequal attention from city hall rank higher for many of us. Let me bring a caller on and Sal from Oakland. Sal, join us. Welcome, you're on the air.
2: Hi, how are you doing? Thank you for having me today.
0: Good to have you. So
2: so I just wanted to make make a comment. Uh, I'm a, I'm, I am work for the city of Oakland and live here in the city of Oakland. So I just wanted to say that I'm calling in support of having this uh, legislation passed tonight by the Oakland City Council. Um, I don't think the problem itself with the residents is with homelessness in itself, but I think what people are tired of seeing is the blight that comes along with these homeless encampments. So I think this uh, policy will give uh, something with the city of Oakland to help that situation out. I know the city of Oakland is trying to help out with having solutions for long-term housing because they've come up with a tough shed. They've had the RV parks that they're establishing in East Oakland, and they are having plans but they need to also address the blight that comes along with homelessness this, and I think this will help.
0: Sal, thank you for that. Nina B., what do you say to those like Sal who say this will help the blight and the look of blight? Uh, there's a lot optically involved in this concern.
3: So That's the whole point is that, you know, we have been fighting for the use of public lands. Um, actually, the request and the re- resolution that was passed three years ago, unanim- unanimously by city council, was that the administration and the mayor were supposed to locate two public parcels per district. That's, that's 12 public parcels for folks to go to. Um, what this policy is proposing is that there are two areas, 2% of Oakland's land, one in, um, you know, you know p- p- tiny parcels throughout West Oakland, out of sight, out of mind, and uh, an area behind East Oakland, um, behind the airport. Um, that's not going to help the blight. What that's going to do is actually violate CDC um you know, Center for D- Disease Control um, recommendations in the time of pa- um, a pandemic that people are not supposed to be evicted, um, unhoused folks should not be moved specifically to congregated situations. And so what's happening is that we're not getting what the resolution says. We're not actually following the U.N. Um, report. The U.N. report also says not do not move unhoused folks. What those the encampments that exist, the um, what the what the UN rapporteur called it, were informal settlements, should actually be upgraded. And now, weren't you asking
0: for? Excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but weren't you asking for hand washing stations uh, and didn't get them?
3: Um, there were yes, the not. Pa- when the
0: pandemic started, I believe that's the case. So, yeah.
3: Yes, there was forty. The city had um, um, put, put up forty additional. Porta potties and 40 additional hand washing stations, um, but the reality is that, that you the United company the city contracts with does not um, properly service those those stations. Yeah. Um, so so there, you know, porta potties. Um, so one of the porta potties that we know of got dropped off at the you know mid March and didn't get cleaned till May, after there was numerous complaints put in, and that's standard for you know most of the porta potties and hand washing stations out there um, that are provided for by the city through united but when we're talking about blight um a lot of again making folks invisible by moving people behind the open airport and moving people over by the by the um uh, the poor is not going to stop blight from happening what's going to stop blight from happening is providing people proper adequate housing and then, if you're talking about this emergency part of the sh- of the of the curbside communities being in, in existence right now, um, a lot of that is illegal dumping. A lot of the trash that you see in the large encampments, um, even in the smaller encampments, are trash being dumped by people who live in houses, or by companies who are dumping off their trash, by people who um, are who that they themselves are becoming homeless and are losing their apartments, and they're dumping their furniture out in the encampment. So there also has to be an understanding that a majority of the light people see is not created by the homeless people. It's created by house folks. Although I
0: did want to mention just uh, the councilman Gallo, uh, Oakland Councilman Gallo was talking about Home Depot, which is in his district and spoke of a letter from them that's going to the city. Uh, The public works crews actually removed a large illegal encampment in front of the store last year. And, uh, Some of the homeless are moving back there, and there's a lot at risk here. There are about 350 entry-level jobs if Home Depot decides to, uh, jobs that are from the neighborhood if Home Depot decides to move out. But I want to move to bring some more callers aboard here. Let me go to Ali in Oakland, who is against the measure. Ali, welcome.
3: Hi. um, Hi, Nita. This is Ali from uh, West Oakland Punks with Lunch. We're... um, We do harm reduction services for people experiencing homelessness in Oakland, and we have been to a few eviction defenses um, with the camps that we serve. And one thing that we notice is um, police presence, which usually they stay in cars, but I have seen people...
0: I'm not sure what happened to Ellie. Um, she became disconnected. So let me read a couple of emails that are coming in. Uh, if we can, we'll reconnect with her. Michelle writes, I live near the Manila Street encampment. The camp is a center for drug trafficking. The people who live next to the camp are not wealthy homeowners. They are lower income tenants whose lives are impacted by noise, crime, drug dealing, and piles of trash and needles. Policy needs to be enforced and homes need to be built. But some will refuse housing because they want to use and drug deal without interference. And Tim writes, this measure is a quick way of ensuring the homeless never get housed. Out of sight, out of mind means the city isn't taking the dilemma seriously. What about that argument, uh, Councilman? Let me go to you on this, Lauren Taylor, back to you, that uh, uh, this is kind of a shell game and the city isn't taking it as seriously as it needs to.
1: Thank you. Um, I would like to just uh, be very explicit as to what this policy does say relative to higher sensitivity versus low sensitivity zones. The high sensitivity zones where we're stating encampments uh should be should no longer be placed. We're talking about 50 feet away from uh protected waterways, from playgrounds, from public parks, soccer fields, baseball fields, uh residences, 150 feet away from a school. We're talking about uh not having the encampments in traffic lanes, bike lanes, and if uh, we do have them on sidewalks, only one side of the street and not both sides of the street. So we're talking about uh, some practical, very focused locations uh, where this is not allowed. And so the, um, the, the point that uh, our other caller was, that Nita was describing in terms of uh, being relegated to certain only two parts of the city, that is inaccurate. Um, but we do need to, uh, protect and create a buffer around certain parts of the city. And that has been overwhelmingly uh, the consensus from those who we've engaged throughout the process.
0: You've been managing this though. The city has been managing a case by case, right? There have been some sweeps. And what about that idea that, uh, you know, they're just kind of moving from one spot to another really, and this will just enforce that or. Well, that, create- this
1: is, Actually, the counter to that, this will actually allow us to no longer have the moving folks from place to place, but will allow the consistency of, like, if you are in a low sensitivity area, an area that has been deprioritized, and you conform with some of the basic standards that are identified here for health safety reasons, then you will not be pushed from one place to another. So this is exactly the opposite of that, keeping us from shuffling people from here to there, but creating uh, zones uh, that are deprioritized, where folks can exist without fear of getting uh, uh, displaced and 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 pushed around, if you would.
0: All right, I want to get Nita's response to that, but let me read a couple of comments that are coming in before I do go to you, Nita B. Uh, this is Daniel who writes, in San Francisco, it was announced that a third Walgreens was closing due to extreme shoplifting by residents of the two homeless shelters half a block away. And the 10 city parking lots look more like Burning Man than a homeless encampment. Dirty, scary, no masks in sight. Maria writes, the United States Interagency Council on Homelessness recommends that action plans should focus on providing people with clear, low barrier pathways for accessing and attaining permanent housing opportunities and should not focus on relocating people to other encampment settings. What about what you just heard from the councilman, need to be about not shifting people around?
3: Well, the reality is that, that is what's happening. And um, if you look at the maps um, that was, um, if you look at the data um, and base the data and create a map on the data, um, you know, there was a, a map that was included with the first um, um, policy, um, you know, proposal from uh, this is EMP policy. Um, it's no longer available on the city the city um, website. But the anti um, displacement map project actually took the data since we don't have access to the first map and created a map based on the data on the uh, in the policy. And it actually, you know, it is a shift um, because ninety eight percent of the city of Oakland will be determined. And, uh, a place for un- unhoused people will be high sensitivity. 98% of Oakland will be high sensitivity. And we know that there's encampments throughout um, Oakland, so that means all those folks are going to be shifted. And, you know, one of the big things that keeps on getting pushed is um, you know this health and safety, health and safety, health and safety. And I feel like rather than um, using health and safety as an issue to close down encampments, the issue of health and safety should be a challenge or a standard that the that the city should be meeting. For example, um, one of the big things is like, uh, you know, people using, you know, folks are literally, like, we have to really understand, so folks are on the brink of survival. Things like electricity, things like clean water, things like being able to cook, things like being able to take a shower, those are things that households folks take for granted, Nina, excuse me, I'm just.
0: I'm. I'm interrupting you because uh, I want to get another caller on, but also I'm looking at a tweet from Michael who's just reinforcing what you've just said. He writes, I have been homeless. You cannot get a job without showers, a phone, Internet, clean clothes, and reliable transportation, regardless of education or work history. It's a pit and a stigma that is nearly impossible to get out of. Let us address that. And let me hear from Naomi, if I could. Naomi?
3: Yes. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I am with a group called Shelter Oak, and we are homeowners and park advocates as well as advocates for the homeless and pretty interested in ratcheting down this uh, polarization between groups. We really agree that a policy, a clear policy, is needed, but the one that is on the agenda today is not ready for prime time. It's really not ready until you provide some place for people to go This is just a recipe for criminalizing homeless people and um, pushing them around the city.
0: Naomi, let me thank you for that call. We've only got seconds left. I'd like the councilman to respond. Lauren Taylor, quickly, if you could.
1: Yeah, I I, I just want to emphasize the fact that we are uh, increasing. We have increased and are continuing to increase our support for those who are unhoused. The 98% number is factually uh, not correct in terms of uh, what Nita had described in terms of what areas would be off limits. We have been... Uh, investing a lot into both the prevention side and the housing side, the broader complement of addressing homelessness. In fact, this year, Oakland won an unprecedented $135 million in competitive funds to create 854 new units of permanent housing. Right. Councilman, we're going to have
0: to leave it there. Let me thank you and let me thank Nita B. Thanks to both of you. And uh, when we return, more election coverage, shifting gears, talking about Measure C in Mountain View. Stay tuned. That's our views. I'm Michael Krasny.